0: Welcome back, everybody, to another
1: episode of SSEV Live. My name is Kai Hoffman. I'm the CEO of the SOAR Financial Group. Thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time. And uh, I got to say thank you to somebody else who's sitting across from me uh, who is also taking the time to be here. It's Bob Thompson, Senior Portfolio Manager over at Raymond James. And uh, we're going to have a great discussion. I hope we're going to have a great discussion about what is happening in the markets right now and how we as commodity investors can sort of benefit and how we should play this market as well, and how he's sort of advising his clients right now as well. before I switch over to my guest and before I introduce him officially here, uh, be reminded to follow us on YouTube, follow us on Twitter, hit that like and subscribe button and uh, also leave a comment. We want to hear from you. What do you think is happening in the markets right now? How are you playing it? And if you have any questions, please post them in the comment section as well. And to uh, really appreciate any positive and constructive feedback, of course. So make sure to do that. And uh, now let me switch over to my guest and uh, Bob, it's great to have you back in it. On SF Live,
0: thanks Kai. It's great to be in the studio here.
1: Oh, fantastic! Yeah, you're downtown Vancouver. I'm in Vancouver finally. And, Two minutes uh, away. Right. It's been it's been too long though. You've been on the program like a year and a half ago or so. It was.
0: So. It seems like a long time ago. Everything's pre-COVID or after COVID. So I think that was pre. Almost, <laughs> or, yeah. pretty, pretty close. It feels that, pretty. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's like you were yeah. one of the earlier guests on, yeah. and uh,
1: you're a frequent guest also on the Sprott podcast sure. there uh, that comes out weekly. Um, great insights. Why don't we dive right in? It's been yeah. really tumultuous, despite it being the summer. It's been really interesting markets. Mm-hmm. Um, we had the Fed just raise uh, Fed just rate rate ugh. The Fed just rate. It's Friday. Right. <laughs> we just had the Fed raise rates right. um, by uh, seventy-five basis points. So, mm-hmm. um, w- what are your predictions now, and what do you think the Fed is up to?
0: Well, it's you know it's interesting just to cover kind of the really big picture. We haven't been in this territory for for fifty years, right? Where we have inflation, slowing economy, stagflation, all the things that people are talking about. So. Any prescient we, we have to look at have to go back a ways, and you know, sure enough, the first six months of this year were the worst six months, f- worst start of the year for the S and P 500 since 1970. Makes sense, right back in that in that area. And you know, I had heard, <laughs> funny enough, that it was the worst six months for the bond market since George Washington was president, 1789. So we're, we're we're going back a long way there too. So interesting enough, you know, bonds, and we can talk a little bit about the bond market because it 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 really. You know, has some insights here, I think, into, into what's happening. You know, bonds usually protect you in, 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 in relatively poor times for the stock market. Um, you know, in 2008, half your money in long-term bonds, half your money in stocks. But it got you out of the year. No losses. Amazing. Didn't happen this time. And um, long-term bonds in the first six months of the year were down... I think at their peak about twenty-seven percent for bonds. So yeah, there was there was nowhere to hide. Balance portfolios got hit. You know, gold got hit. Gold was the best asset in the first half of the year, but the stocks, of course, got crushed because they're stocks. Hmm. Uh, we can talk about that a little bit too. But um, yeah, it was. It's been an interesting time here, and the the big fight is inflation, obviously, and that that's the problem. Every other time we've been in this position, the Fed's just kind of eased off a little bit, and uh, and we've avoided a recession. But I'm 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 really you know, think we're we're in the state right now that you just can't back up interest rates to where they were, right? Because what happens is every time you loosen off, every time you keep rates low, the amount of leverage just takes up the slack. So you have this massive amount of leverage now, and I don't know how you ever go back to normalize interest rates without collapsing the system. And then of course, if they don't do that, then inflation is going to be out of control. So they're they're in a box and. You know, I, I think that's pretty well understood by the markets, but we're just trying to, to, to sort through it. I think the fre- Fed, a lot of times, is kind of looking at backward information. Mm-hmm. The yeah. market's looking at forward information, so they're making decisions based upon lagging indicators. But anyway, that's that's the state we're in. Yeah, you use the R word, recession, <laughs>
1: right? Um, a, how do you define a recession?
0: Uh, to, are we in one? Sure, it's always been two negative quarters. Um, I, I don't know if that's, if you, if you look up the dictionary, whether it actually says it, but that's been the generally accepted uh, uh, principle. Um, so, you know, the government's now saying, of course, that that isn't the case in those inventory levels and all this sort of thing. But I, but I really do think that we're going to see weakening ap- economic growth, and that's what the, the market's telling us. You know, um, the Fed doesn't look at that a lot since they have their, their models that they, they look at, and it doesn't really include what the market's telling us, right? George Soros had a theory of reflexivity that basically said when the market goes down credit dries up that makes the economy go down so the tail wags the dog the market uh, dictates what happens to the economy and you know i, I saw stanley Miller on on uh, a little while ago probably one of the best money managers ever who's made money in bonds gold equities whatever the case is and you know he said he said the reason i've been able to forecast the economy better than the Fed has for my entire career is because he said I look internally in the market and I see what the bond market's telling me what consumer staple stocks are telling me discretionary transportation etc and he said that is the best leading indicator about what's happening Fed doesn't look at that yeah so
1: and, and this morning and we're recording this on August 5th Friday after market but we had jobless report come out as well. So how, how mm-hmm. does that fit in? And that was actually better than expected.
0: Yeah, it was basically double what, what, what was expected. And, you know, I, I think what they're really going to have to start paying attention to is the um, number of people that are actually working. And the number of people that are actually working is declining pretty rapidly. So, you know, he, here, here's the theory. If, if the economy is shrinking, which I do think the economy is shrinking, if the number of people working are actually shrinking more and the economy is shrinking then the available workforce is, is less. So companies are shrinking but they still need people, which is kind of a crazy scenario, right? Yeah. But but 10,000 people a day in the US are actually retiring. Social security, going on social security. Um lots of people are living in their parents' basements now and somehow they've just vanished from the workforce and they have a YouTube channel or something now that that they're making some <laughs> money from or something like that, right? Whereas they were in the workforce yeah. before and so so the market it looks like they're kind of out of the workforce, and once they're out of the workforce, they're not employed, right? So what happens is um, is there's a struggle to find qualified employees. So wage push growth uh, uh, happens, which is what we're starting to see. Um, the economy is shrinking, but there's less workers. So it, there's all kinds of variables which are really, really pulling in opposite directions here.
1: Well, I, I gotta jump down that rabbit hole for a second. You mentioned like they're, they're disappearing from the workforce, and you walk around downtown anywhere; like it doesn't really matter. But uh, I was just up in the Yukon; they had to close restaurants early because they didn't have enough staff. Mm-hmm. Where did everybody go? You mentioned YouTube channels, obviously, is an option.
0: Apparently, well, well, yeah, I was at a restaurant. <laughs> I was at a restaurant the other day, right in downtown Vancouver, here, one of the ones where all the financial people go to, and I asked one of the servers that. I said, okay. How are we doing for service here? She goes, I don't know. Everybody's, nobody works here anymore. I mean, we're having to, you know, we're having trouble. And I said, Where is everybody going? She's like, oh, I don't know. They go to live in their parents' basement. They just took some time off. They're they're doing this. They've got a, they've got some, you know, underground business they're doing or whatever the case is. And I thought, Wow, is this, is there that many people that this is happening for? But it, but it, here's the interesting. thing. It's going to cause a, a huge problem here because we're because we're going to have a lack of qualified people. Even in, a, in an economy that's smaller, which means that, you know, supply demand, if you have a lack of qualified people, you have to pay them more. So we're going to have wage push inflation at the same time as the economy is declining. And, you know, I think we're starting to see that.
1: Yeah, definitely inflation. I think is not as transitory as some people might think. Mm-hmm. Um, although some of the supply chain issues were, are being solved, sure. Yes, and but now we get wage inflation, right? Which is right. going to trickle down and uh, affect the the, you know, the CPI
0: numbers. One one big one. I mean the the Fed loves to pay attention to pce right which which eliminates food and, and energy and and it's good because nobody eats or uses energy anyway right so no, food it's overrated energy, food and energy don't matter but anyway that's that's the number they look at is the pce so hopefully we'll see those pce numbers come down but i wanted to mention something that i think really pertains to commodities and, and inflation going forward here and and that is um as we know, we see all the charts that show there's been very, very little capex in the mining sector. Yeah. It was the same in oil and gas. And you have a depleting asset. So not just with the electric vehicle revolution, everything that's happening there, but supply is drying up dramatically, even if we don't get a lot more demand. And what is going to happen unless we start to have some capex we start, uh, is we're going to see soaring commodity prices, right? Everybody's been surprised at this oil. Uh, boom that's happened but I think oil was the first one and I think mining is kind of the next one to next one to come after that if I and if I could just mention one thing I love to study history you know past is prescient this happened to one sector where social and political barriers um, really really hit the sector um, uh, in the mid-1980s and that was the tobacco sector Mm -hmm. right uh, and you know, when you think of it, how many people smoke now compared to how many did before, right? Yep. Um, the barriers to entry were, were great to that industry because nobody wanted to come into it. They actually put a moat around the industry, but because of the political and social pressures on the industry. And, and the reason I say this is the single best performing stock on the Toronto Stock Exchange from 1988 to 2008 for 20 years was Rothman's oh. cigarette yep. company. 12, they were up 12,000% plus all the dividends, plus all the special dividends, plus the stock buybacks. And if you think that's an anomaly, the U.S. market, with all their, you know, Apple and Microsoft, all these wonderful stocks that have had these significant price increases, the best performing stock or one of the best on the, on the S&P 500 was Philip Morris during that time frame. So I think when you put social, political barriers to industries, it actually makes that industry, can make that industry way more profitable when we're seeing that in energy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And oil and gas, like there was an open discourse between, uh, I think it was the president of ExxonMobil and uh, mm-hmm. the U.S. president, he sent an open letter. He's like, hey, you want us to spend that money, but you're not incentivizing us to do so.
0: Right, uh, absolutely, absolutely. And it's the same in mining, right? Yeah. We we see a company uh, recently that spent a lot of money in a decade to finding a resource um, down in Chile, and won't name the company, but uh, but you know they, they did their environmental impact study. Chilean government came back and said they weren't happy about how they were going to handle 20 chinchillas on the property and stocks down 85% now because they didn't get their their permits. Um, You know, there's a whole 10 years of work that's just been thrown out the window for now. And that's happening all over the place in, in mining and that's going to be a big problem. So what we have to be careful of in our industry here is, you know, we could see massively increasing copper prices um, but we don't make any money in the juniors because nobody's getting permitted anyway. Right? No. Yeah, oh, good good point. So, yeah. So, yeah,
1: And uh, it brings me back, actually, at Orrin Inc., we, we track all the financings. So mm-hmm, come right. first rate hike, mid-March, March 16th, I think, was the date of the first rate hike, mm-hmm. everything dried up. Mm-hmm. But the index just completely tanked and mm-hmm. almost disappeared. And uh, companies are still struggling to raise money. Like, and it brings me back, back, back to a bit of a macro discussion again more is like, when do you see that change? Because it feels like everybody's waiting for, the, right. for Jerome Powell to say something, maybe a hawkish, mm-hmm. dovish, like I'm not sure
0: what kind of signal they're actually looking for. And, and Kai, I'd just like to comment on, on your research that you do with regard to the financing. I use that myself because we have something called a mining clock, yeah. and the mining clock kind of tells us where we are in the cycle. And that's very, very valuable information as to you know where we are in the cycle. And if you recall, it was at all, pretty much all time highs back in September of 2020. Yeah. Right? Um, as far as the financings, and that, and you got to get a little bit wary when when you see that, right? Because that's a that's a euphor not a euphoria, but it's a it's an elevated optimism when you see that, right? Yeah. So, so um, at this particular time, sure, uh, not a lot of financing at all, and you know people can call that points of capitulation. Sentiment is is absolutely terrible, and you know that's where you really make make the money uh, because the sector will turn. It'll always turn, and you know as you know, I did a book many years ago and you know, one of the things Eric Sprott mentioned in the book was he said, I love the mining sector because the lows are so low, the highs are so high. The difference between the two is a thousand percent. Yeah. No other sector in the world like that, right? So it will recover. It'll come around. Um, Powell's going to have to, maybe he won't do a 180 because that's embarrassing and they lose credibility, but there'll be this word and that word. And he actually did it this time, right? I mean, we, we, we stopped the forward guidance. We're going to be data dependent. Of course, if they're looking at Current data, and not leading hmm. data. That's a problem because they're yeah. they're acting on well, something it's like, today. To we've have. been
1: misled by data over the last two and a half years, a bit, right? So I was like, I don't trust data in that regard, Inter- especially jobless report. Like all of a sudden, it's double a month before we actually missed the job report. Like and all of a sudden, we're at double. Right. Like, I'm I'm starting to like I'm a bit confused by the data. No, personally.
0: I, I, absolutely, you're absolutely right. And 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 just to go back to, you know, I, I pay a lot of attention to to Miller again, and he said. He said, I used to look at the bond market, see what the bond market was telling me, but he said, and that's why I could forecast better than the Fed, but he said, it hasn't worked in 10 years. He said, because the bond market is not telling us the correct information because it's manipulated, right? They're, they're spending trillions of dollars in buying mortgage backs or buying long-term or doing operation twist or doing that. He said, so how do you ever get any proper, um, you know, signals from something that's completely manipulated like that? And that's... That's, that's what we've been seeing. And that, that's been one of, the, one of the issues for a lot of money managers in the last 10 years.
1: Yeah, I would think that a rising bond market would mean a weaker dollar as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, we have a very strong dollar. We have a rising bond mm-hmm. market. It doesn't really fit together anymore. Yeah, it, it's like you, I, can, I personally can't make sense of it anymore.
0: It, it doesn't. And, but but uh, I will mention the bond market because you know I, I, we are generalists. We look around at everything and then relay it back to commodity cycle. And the reason we do that is we deal with a lot of mining executives that have, have a substantial amount of net worth and want to preserve it. They don't want a binary outcome if the market goes against them again, right? So they preserve it. So we gotta know what's going on in the markets and relate it back to to commodities. But, so what we saw in the first six months of the year is the bond market was getting destroyed because inflation was accelerating. Um, Stock market was getting destroyed because economic slowdown, inflation was accelerating. Highly unusual situation. What we started to see about a month ago is things started to work the, the way they should work. And bonds started to rally. So bond, so uh, yields went down on the, on the long end as stocks were still a bit dicey, and the reason for that is the the bond market switched from being worried about inflation to saying, okay, inflation is not really a worry. We're worried about a recession now, because in- recessions always kill inflation, right? So re- re- the recession will kill inflation unless something really weird happens <laughs> this time. Um, I used to like to say unless something really wonky happens this time. Wonky is a really good economic wonky, term. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm sure it's the, def- the White House has a definition for it on the website. I'm sure. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, so I, I think you know the, the bond market's doing what it should be doing. Going into a recession right now, it's telling us it can be a recession. Yields are inverted, um, and uh, and and yields are coming down on the ten year. So
1: interesting yeah and US dollar maybe just as the last thing as well like it seems super strong still because mm-hmm. um, it is the world reserve currency it seems like the money is not flowing into gold as it should be it's flowing into the US dollar
0: yeah you know and and DXy is the is the symbol that people refer to um, you know most of that is the Japanese yen and you know they've been in QE for Thirty-five years, and will be forever. The, you know, Japanese government's going to own all the stock market at one point. They own most of the bond market. So, he, the yen. I don't know. You re, it's really hard to compare it against that. Uh, and the euro is obviously they're in desperate trouble right now with gas prices and everything that's going on in Europe. So, so yeah, things are not great in the U.S. But it's the it's the best of the worst, right? If you compare it against um, the euro and 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 the yen, sure, the U.S. dollar is doing well. But I but I think a better comparison is to compare it against a basket of world true world currencies. And, and those are the emerging market currencies and the Asian currencies, which I think are extremely important because what happened in 2015, end of 2015, early 2016, is we are at the same level or similar level for, for, for the DXY. And all these emerging market countries have all their debt in US dollars. So the US dollar goes up 20% or their currency depreciates 20%. Um, their debt just rose by 20% that they owe. Um, and that's going to break something. Something's going to break. It broke in late 2015, and if the dollar con- continues to go up here, something's going to break again. And as if we know anything about politicians in, or the Fed, they only react after the fact. They're not proactive. They're reactive. All right. So if something breaks, they'll have to still have to try to fix it, and that'll be getting the dollar done.
1: Now, let's, let's, let's see what alternatives there are. Let's see if we can make a case for precious metals sure, at this yeah, time, right? Yeah. And it feels like we do have a very strong case for precious mm-hmm. metals, given everything that's going on in the world, not just on the financial capital market side, but also geopolitically. I think gold should be the number one asset everybody right. needs to own. Right. But I'm sure you've got a different case for that. Or not a different, but uh, you, you have your own case for it. Mm.
0: Well, you know, for a sector to, any sector to, um, uh, to, to perform exceptionally well, things don't actually have to get better they just have to stop getting worse Mm. right so that's why the point of maximum hawkishness of the fed is very important and i think we're past the point of maximum hawkishness they they still might be hawkish it's two steps forward one step back always but i think the point of maximum hawkishness is gone so that means things have stopped getting worse for the gold Mm. sector again they don't have to get better they just have to stay steady, and, and yeah. things rally pretty dramatically. So I, I think we're in that stage right now. You know, everybody knows the technical levels on gold, the 1675, et cetera. It seemed to hold at those levels. Um, I, I think something that's really important here is that um, we, we, look at, we look at how much money is going into the gold ETFs, okay. right? Um, gold's been rallying here for a few weeks up until, up until today. It's having a pullback. Um, no money is going into the gold ETFs, and it's actually still declining. And that is very, very good information, very good, because you don't want the generalists to be in the trade yet, right? You want them, because they're tourists, right? They're tourists. They'll be in it this week, and they'll be out of it two months from now. So you want them to miss the boat at the beginning, and then you want them to kind of panic uh, and, and try to get into that trade as things go. And that's a much more sustainable rally for gold, and I think that's where we are right now. Um, you know people aren't j- diving back into the sector especially with today's economic news the generalists are going to be staying out of the sector again and that's a great thing cuz it's going to inch up that wall of worry mm. um, and later on the cycle they can come in and be tourists and then get out yeah, that's it's fine no, right. no, that's, I'm, I'm okay with that <laughs> and the other thing is that you know <coughs> silver silver right i mean silver goes down twice as much in a bear market and up twice as much in a bull market right i think we're we're kind of in that in that bull phase right now we're on the same side of the trade as the bullion banks Right, um, you know, bullion banks, funny enough, never lose money, mm-hmm. I don't know how that happens, but uh, so <laughs> <laughs> when when silver was up at 28 and they had this massive short position in the um, in the COT, um, you know, silver went down, right? So now they've reversed that completely when it hit in the mid 18, 1850, um, and the bullion banks are the, the less, least short they've been since uh, the spring of 2019. I think that's extremely yep. important for silver. Um, we're on. If you're silver bull, you are on the same side of the trade now as the bullion banks, and you know whether we like it or not, it's good to be on the same side of the trade. Yeah, because there. <laughs>
1: there's massive volume, right? That usually comes in. That, so
0: that that's right. And and um, you know, interesting enough, uh, we don't talk a lot about platinum, but platinum's the other one where uh, they're they're actually quite uh, uh, the, the short positions very 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 low. Even better than gold. Platinum and silver are actually better than gold right now, as far as the COT positioning. Yeah, also because uh, platinum is used in catalytic converters and stuff.
1: I think the sentiment is even worse for right. platinum.
0: I think so. Right, and 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 I, I just I absolutely love and we, you know we we talked a little bit before about being contrarian, and I, I just want to define contrarian. We we you know in the gold sector we call ourselves contrarians because we have to be because most of the time it doesn't seem to <laughs> seem to work the way it's working. But but I want to explain something uh, again. Let's let's look at a. Um, a, a money manager that's been hugely successful over time, Paul Tudor Jones. Um, he he said, he said the most amount of money he's ever made is being is by being a contrarian. But ninety percent of the time, it doesn't pay to be a contrarian. It pays to be a contrarian at the extremes, at the extreme negative sentiment point and the extreme euphoria point. In the middle, you can be wrong for a long time as a contrarian, yeah. right? So so I, I think we're at that point in the precious metal sector where the sentiment is so bad, money's not coming in, nobody wants to hear about it. Um, uh, Twitter's a great, great way to, to see that. You see all the negativity on, on Twitter about the gold sector. It's, the COT is aligned for us, um, positioning is aligned, um, technicals are aligned, there's so many things that are aligned for an asymmetrical return profile right now, and asymmetrical return profile means you have a little bit of downside, maybe another 5 10%, you got a lot of upside. So, I doubt I'll definitely yeah. take that trade. Then you just have to wait. Just have to be patient. Yeah. Right. Isn't that a famous saying like the market can be more solvent than? The, or John Maynard Keynes. That. Yes, the market can stay. <laughs> yes. Um. The the market can stay in, inefficient basically longer than you can stay so, solvent. solvent right. Yeah, that's
1: right. So, um. You, you say you work with a lot of senior mining execs, mm-hmm. and I just came back from a side visit to the Yukon. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting to hear also from miners what what they're actually doing, like what the sentiment is. Um. Wh- what are you hearing from your clients? Like, you don't have to mention names. Obviously, but I just want to hear like general sentiment. What are they saying? Do they see? It feels, and my my gut tells me that the fall will be actually better based on feedback I'm getting from my clients and companies we work
0: with. Well, interesting you say that because there's two types of mining executives, right? Here in Vancouver, we're very familiar with the entrepreneurial mining executives, right? The people who have started a company from scratch and built it up and they're explorers. Then you have the senior mining executives that work for the really big companies. And, um, you know, they're more corporate people, right? The corporate people definitely put their heads down run the business, um, you know, it doesn't matter a lot what's, what's going on um, as far as financing and things like that. Obviously, the junior people are going to suffer. Y- you get less money in when you should have more money, and you get more money when you should have less money, as <laughs> is always the case in, in this sector. So it's very important to, to, to those people. So to talk about the entrepreneurial mining executive, sure, it's, it's a lot tougher to get money. Um, you know, if they do want to raise money, the, the terms are not very good, uh, as good as they should be for them. You know, the warrants are longer. Um, Etc., and that's all part of the part of the process. But I, I really do think you know on on our mining clock that we that we talk about, um, you know, three o'clock's is kind of capitulation point. That's the bottom of the bear market. That was 2015. You know, we're about six or seven o'clock right now. M- m- companies are raising money, and you know, after 2020, when all that money was raised in the summer, um, maybe that was a point of uh, short-term euphoria for the market, but companies got that money and they were able to spend it. So I, I think a lot of the small mining executives don't need money right now um, because they raised a lot earlier and they're actually spending that money. So we're gonna start to see some pretty good discoveries, you know, hopefully, because discoveries come after, after the money raise and oh, then everybody wants that. If somebody hits a really big Lots of money will come into the sector because people want to replicate that.
1: See, that's, that's a point of deb- de- debate for me as well. Mm-hmm. Like, Of course, 2021 was a massive year for financing. Mm-hmm. We raised close to $6.8 billion, mm-hmm. dollars, according to our earning data. And uh, it does not feel like we have lots to show for, though, in terms right. of discoveries that come to mind. Right. You have Philo that's sort of hovering mm. over everything because it's just been an exceptional discovery, but behind it is not that much, or and, at least that's my impression.
0: And, and and you're absolutely right. The big companies are not putting any money into the ground. So the, the small ones are, um, there's not a lot of, you know, there are private placements that are being done, right? They aren't your normal IPOs on, on the market. That'll probably come a little bit later. But yeah, I, you know, I think, and this is... I don't know, it's, it, it, you could say it's a good thing for the sector or, or, or a bad thing, but um, we aren't finding the discoveries at all, right? The, the, the cost per discovery has actually gone through the roof, right, copper, gold, uh, whatever, the, whatever the situation is. And I, I, you know Robert Friedland said one time, he said, I, I wonder where the people on Wall Street think they got their ham sandwiches from. They think they got them from the fridge, right? <laughs> <laughs> I tell people everything around us, if you look around you, is, 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 comes from above the ground or below the ground. Right, and we have to continue to do this, and 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 I think the world is really underestimating that at this particular time, especially with the environmental factors. And we all, you know, we all want to live on a clean planet, definitely. But oh. these, but a lot of these environmental factors are really causing permitting to be delayed, and uh, cost per discovery again is uh, is is going through the roof, and we're going to need a lot higher prices for that. What are you
1: advising your clients right now? I'm, I sort of heard through the la- between the lines that. Maybe GDX or gold ETFs probably a good place to be right now. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, you know, definitely. I mean, I mean, I love any sector that's down eighty percent in value. I mean, no. my number one sector a couple of years ago was the uranium sector because it was down eighty-five percent in value and. The, Fundamentals are pretty good going, going forward. But, but then it just takes time to, to, to play out. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's a really asymmetrical return profile right now. The, the seniors will do great. I mean, I don't, I'm not a big – we manage discretionary portfolios, and I'll buy senior um, mining companies in, in those portfolios. But, yeah, the, 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 the explorers right now that are all cashed up um, and are trading at, you know, 25 cents of NAV, are are going to be great um, places to be. I mean, those are multiples when you, uh, when you start going up. And that's the great thing about a sector where the sentiment is so bad is when things start to get better, I mean, that's your typical value investing. When things start to get better, what happens is not only, let's say a company does cash flow and makes earnings, um, a, a mid-sized producer will say, what happens is you get multiple expansion, right? So the stock goes up maybe twice as much as the earnings are actually going up. Um, so you get multiple expansion, plus you get money coming into the sector, plus things have turned around to the sec- for the sector, so your earnings are going up too. So not only are your earnings going up, but you're getting multiple expansion on top of that, which just magnifies um, your gains. And that, that's, that's kind of the secret to success with value mm-hmm. investing. And, and I think we see a lot of these growth stocks right now that are down 70 80%, yeah. the exact opposite has happened right you 're getting PE compression multiple compression at the same time as your business is getting worse and that's just a rest. that's that's a bad bad situation when that happens
1: <laughs> um, and any indication when the market might turn around do you have do you have a gut feeling like do you have an indicator that you're yeah, looking for
0: yeah I mean I, I think it has al- I think it it, it has already um, i think I think we've bottomed I think we've reached point of max hawkishness um, with the fed so they aren't going to do a 180, and it's not going to be easy. It's it's always going to be two steps forward, one step back. But I think we're going to look back a, a while from now and go, wow, this didn't really feel like a bull market, but things are up 100%. Yeah. Right? You know, it it was, did, I, did I see some like, stocks
1: climbing already. Yeah. Like, uh, we definitely, looked, just looking at some charts actually this morning as well, the baseline, mm-hmm. like, seems like there's a floor now, and mm-hmm. some of them are, have doubled. As you said, some stocks already doubled again.
0: Yeah, and it's because there was a buyer strike, right? So there was yeah. there was nobody buying. Volumes were extremely low, and volumes are going to be very low in August here, so it's going to be volatile. Yeah. That's why you know a lot of people don't realize that the worst month for the stock market in general is September um, in history. And the reason for that is people aren't thinking about too much in August, yeah. right? So they come back in September and go, wow, the economy is bad or the earnings are bad, and so so September gets hit. The market crashes happen in October. Um, that's because usually September's been pretty bad and then people panic in October, yeah. <laughs> right? So, um, so you know, this year I, I wouldn't be surprised to see some pretty good volatility September, October. That might cause some dislocation, something might break, and then the Fed will have to say, um, they'll have to get a little more aggressive at, at reversing yeah. course. Interesting, okay, yeah.
1: Bob, thank you so much. It's been super insightful. Thank you so much for coming to the studio great catching up
0: thanks for your time thanks kai i hope to do it again
1: oh very soon All we'll right. definitely have to get you back on and uh, everybody else we really appreciate your time thank you so much for tuning in this was sf live we were joined by bob thompson he's a senior portfolio manager over at raymond james super insightful conversation he said it's time to sort maybe start deploying some capital be the contrarian be early and it's mid-august right now or early august so you get probably a couple of weeks before things will start to heat up that's my opinion by the way um and it charts tell me that it might be a good opportunity to actually start deploying right now because uh, I see bottoming happening. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe. Hit that like button as well. Leave a comment. We want to hear from you. And uh, we're, we're, we're over and out. It's Friday afternoon. It's time to head home. Thank you so much.